0: The Jews had waited thousands of years for the Messiah. God had promised that there would be a Messiah. And God had promised that the Messiah would come. He'd given prophecies of what he would do, who he would be, what he would be like. But the time frame was uncertain for all but the most perceptive readers or the most... Um, illuminated readers of the Old Testament, those that God had given a revelation to. It's really only now that Jesus has come as the Messiah that we see how all of the timings came into play and how all of the prophecies were perfect and every single prophecy that God made came to pass about Jesus. In terms of the Jewish people, there were great expectations for the Messiah especially when they were under Roman rule in Roman times. In many ways, there would have been cruel taskmasters, and the Jews were never ones to bow down to anybody, um, not even God sometimes. So they were the ones that would be in open rebellion against the Romans. They could not stand that. And so they were still looking for the Messiah, and they expected that the Messiah would come and he would deliver them from the Romans. They expected that he was going to be the all-conquering king who would free the Jews from their Roman oppression. And God had promised a herald to prepare the way for the Messiah beforehand. In Luke chapter 3 and verse 1, it talks about the timing of, uh, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar and, and other things that were happening at that time. Annas and Caiaphas being the high priests, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. This is something that was different. This is something that was new. God hadn't spoken to them for about 400 years, if I remember correctly. So someone coming and and talking about repentance, remission of sins, and and, and, and these strange things that they had not heard before, it was something that was unusual. It was attractive. People wanted to know what was all behind. Was this the Messiah? As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled. And every mountain and hill shall be brought low. And the crooked shall be made straight. And the rough ways shall be made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come. That's quite some preaching, especially if if someone was wanting to lift up followers after themselves. You, You don't generally... Um, say bad things against the people who might be your followers. But this was something of God. This was something that was different. This was something that God was putting into place to prepare people for Jesus and his message and his ways. Bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, which brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? And then he basically told them a few things that were not familiar, that they were not familiar with, the things that they should do to make themselves right before God. He answers and said unto them, He that has two coats, let him impart to him that has none. And he that has meat, let him do likewise. Then came also publicans to be baptized, and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed you. Do the right thing. Be, be, do the right thing before God and before men. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. And as the people were in expectation, there was an expectation. It had been building up for thousands of years. And there was an expectation of this person that they could be the Messiah, the one that would deliver them, the one that would bring them out from Roman rule and bondage. And all men music in their hearts of John, whether he were the Christ, the Messiah or not. John answered, saying to them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I comes, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. There's no way that they could have understood what he was actually talking about right then. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. And many other things in his exhortation. Preached he unto the people this was something amazing. this was something unusual. This is something that they had not heard they had not heard things like this they had only heard the the, the Pharisees they had only been to the synagogues they had only heard what would have been quite dry and and and, and um, interpretations of the word of god and 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 a lot of um, uh, a, a lot of traditions that would have been taught to them in those ways. The people who came to see John had great expectation that he was the Messiah. He was causing a stir. He was different. He was not what um, they would expect someone to do. And so they were curious. They thought that he could be the Messiah. And John pointed the way to the Messiah. But the Messiah, Jesus, didn't meet the expectations of either the common person or the spiritual authorities of the day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But Jesus was the Messiah, and Jesus was the all-conquering king that the people desired, but in a much better, a more powerful, a more life-changing way. Jesus didn't stoop to just deliver the Jews from the Romans. He he didn't stoop to, to doing that. His purpose was higher. His purpose was greater. His purpose was... Not just for the the nation of the Jews even, but it was for all mankind. Jesus wasn't concerned about a single nation or a physical freedom. Jesus instead conquered sin and death to deliver all who will into everlasting life. The stakes were greater. The the, the vision was higher. The, The expectation was more than met for anyone who would follow Jesus. Talk about the reality being greater than the original expectation they wanted physical deliverance but got spiritual deliverance into eternal life instead to all that would follow him talk about a factor of a billion greater that's you, there's no comparison to those two expectations god is always able to do greater than any expectation that we ever have god has always had the ability to meet a need greater than The original expectation that we have that anybody else has. We read this in the book of Acts as well. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms, just a little bit of money, of them that entered into the temple who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. It was what he did. It was, it was his job. It was his life. Uh, he, he, he depended on these things to actually go from one day to the next. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I None. He probably got a little crestfallen then. He probably got a little disappointed. But such as I have, give I you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God and all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for arms in the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed, held together, sorry, held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. The lame man only had small expectations. That he would get a little bit of money to help him get by for another day. That if he got enough people to give him arms, that he was going to survive. He was going to be able to buy enough food. He was going to be able to, to go to the next day. And it was an existence that was was bondage. It was an existence that had no freedom. It was an existence that was, was just lifeless, day to day, desperate. If I don't do this, then I'm going to starve. I'm going to die. But he had a greater need that needed to be met to bring him out of that situation entirely. When we only have small expectations, God still can do more than we could ask or think. But when we go out with great expectations like Peter and John, that's where the power of God can move freely in us. Because when we have great expectations of God can do and even will do through us, we will be willing to trust God even more and respond to the Spirit's moving in greater ways. We will be willing to take more risks to allow God to come through for us in amazing ways. There has to be a balance, though. We can't take stupid life-endangering risks and expect God to do amazing things, like stepping in front of a car or a bus and expecting God to do something awesome to bring people to Him. No, there will be very natural consequences and a very quick trip to a hospital or worse. God would never ask us to do that sort of thing. There can only be one outcome with that. God hasn't given us the power to be supermen or superwomen, but the power to be witnesses, which is a lot better. (laughs) Which is a lot better. When we are sensitive to His Spirit and are led by the Holy Ghost and are able to recognize and listen to what God wants to do, we can follow His leading to do things out of the ordinary and God will always always, every single time, come to the party. There's a couple of, of, well, I was going to say stories, but accounts um, of God doing the unexpected and um, that I heard when I was very young. And they had such an impact because they were so out of the ordinary that God did some amazing things just, just to someone who was going about their normal day, that it stayed with me to this day. There was a story that was uh, recounted, um, sorry, an account that was uh, recounted where someone, uh, a Christian, was was in their car and and, uh, they were just driving along, just like normal, normal day. And then God told them, follow that car. And they were a bit taken aback back by that. Uh, but the Lord spoke to them again, follow that car. And so he knew the, that that was the Lord. He knew the Lord's voice, so he followed the car. And he followed the car a long way. It went all, all the way through um, the, the the normal city roads and, and then out into a road into the country. And then it stopped um, and just pulled over. And... So the, the man pulled over as well, and uh, and got out of his car and, and went over to, to to the other car, and uh, and and the the uh, car had the electric windows, and so just just a little bit down his window, he said, "Are you following me?" And he said, "Yes, I am." <laughs> and, and he said, "Why? Why are you following me?" And uh, and he said, well, "Well, God asked me to follow you." And then the the window came straight down. And I don't know exactly what the situation was, but that was a man um, who was ready to receive the Word of God, who, who needed God's help in his life. And, and God met that need by, by just talking to just someone ordinary. And, and, and they just followed the guiding and the leading of the Lord, and he did something extraordinary that day. And there's another story which, which really is awesome. Um, there was a minister um, in, in America, again, um, and basically God woke him up in the middle of the night, I think it was about 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, and, and he said, go out on your balcony and sing, there's power in the blood. And so that was really unusual. <laughs> um, so, um, but God, God said it again, he said, go on the balcony and sing Power in the Blood. So he went on the balcony at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning and sang Power in the Blood. There's Power in the Blood, there's Power in the Blood. And he went back to bed. (laughs) Um, And then the next morning, it always affects me every time I think about this story, there was a knock at his door. And there was a young man. And he said, he said, I was in uh, in my bathroom at one o'clock in the morning, whenever it was, and he said, I was about to commit suicide. But you sang that song. You sang that song, and and I didn't. And, and so that was something that was powerful. But you don't get that by, by not knowing the voice of the Lord. It's too easy to say, well, that was weird. Um, I'm just going to ignore that. But when, when we know the voice of the Lord and when we follow his voice, then he can use us in incredible, powerful, outstanding, impactful ways in our community, in all the people around us, in our workplace, just travelling on public transport. Now don't get me wrong, there isn't a following cars ministry or a singing at the top of your voice at two AM ministry. That that doesn't exist those who are God's leading at very specific times for very specific purposes. And just like those examples, God might nudge you to do something out of the ordinary. What are your expectations when that happens? Do you doubt that God will come through? Do you look at the risk and reward ratio? How much face am I going to lose if, if, if this, this, this doesn't, doesn't work out? Do you look at saving face? Do you cowl back? Do we cower back? Do I cower back in fear? Or do you realize that we serve a great God, an amazing God, an awesome God, a powerful God, and that God wants to use you in a specific and powerful way to do His will? What an amazing privilege that is. (laughs) The God who has all power wants us to help Him do His will on this earth. And he wants to use us in a particular, special way to do that. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that extraordinary? He trusts us. He trusts us to follow his leading to do extraordinary things. Can we put the same trust in him that he has already put in us? Ephesians 3 and 20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. So not just to, because his power, but the power, his power that works in us, his power that's already working in us. Under him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. When we move with God, he will move with us. Every time, every single time. He's never let anyone down yet. What are our expectations when we go about our normal day, our normal lives, our normal plans? Do we have no expectations that anything will happen and miss out on what God might be talking to us about to do, to speak to someone, to, to minister, to, to do something out of the ordinary? Do we expect that it will be the same sort of day with the same outcomes and the same end as the day before, just like the man at the gate, beautiful. He only had the expectation that life was. This was his life. He was going to. He was going to do this until he eventually died. Until he eventually didn't get enough arms or, or didn't uh, just just faded away. Or well, do we have the great expectation that we are witnesses of the Most High God, and that an entire day can be made extraordinary? with a single nudge of God's Spirit. Do you think that those two men thought that they were going to be doing something extraordinary that day? (laughs) Do you think that Peter and John thought that they were going to be doing something extraordinary at the temple that day? No, they didn't, but they followed the leading, the nudge of God's Spirit when he asked them to do something out of the ordinary. Our faith needs to be raised. God wants to use us to do extraordinary things through the power of his spirit, but we need to come to the table as well. God already wants to use us more powerfully in these last days and hours when the world needs us most, but the sticking point is us. We hold back we question God, we doubt that God actually wants to use us when he actually does, when he desires to, when he wants to. None of this negates our need to be good witnesses ourselves, to do our very best to be like Jesus in both our actions and our reactions and the things we say and the way we say them. We need to create an environment around us where we work or travel, or go to school, where God can move more easily in us and through us. Because if we're already displaying Jesus to them, then they're going to be more likely to receive what God asks us to do. For example, if we go to work angry every day, or start yelling at people at the drop of a hat, that's not an environment that Jesus can work in very easily. Not to use you, anyway. That's not being like Jesus. Jesus was never like that. That's not being a good witness. That's not even being a witness for Jesus. Being a witness for Jesus means showing the world who Jesus is by modeling his teachings and actions ourselves. We are showing Jesus to the world. That's being a witness. So that they can see Jesus in the only way he can be seen in these last days, which is through us. How else are they going to see Jesus? If you aren't showing the world Jesus already, then how can he use you for the extraordinary? We are his ambassadors, which means we sometimes take undeserved junk in good grace for the sake of a greater cause. Just like a modern-day ambassador to a foreign nation, they are expected to model the values and qualities of an entire nation when things go right and when things go wrong. They are expected to always be on an even keel. They are expected to show the best of their nation when, when things go horribly wrong. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. He's called us to bring others to him, to, to be that ambassador, to be someone who reaches out just like Jesus did, to, to, to heal, to, to, um, to, to help people come to the light. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, Not imputing their trespasses unto them. Are you a judgmental person? Do you look at someone and say they don't deserve Jesus? Do you look at someone and say, I don't think they're going to respond. I won't bother talking to them. But do we look at their lifestyles and, and shy away from them and just choose not to go anywhere near them? But Jesus didn't look through those eyes at the people that he was around. He reached out to them. He wanted to bring salvation. He wanted to bring them closer to God. He wanted to do do everything in his power to help people come out of the darkness they had been in and the the bondage and the traditions into the the liberty of, of his word. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, We pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus went before. He paid the price. He did everything necessary that he could to, to allow us to be able to be free from sin and bondage and condemnation. He was willing to pay the price and we need to follow in his footsteps. There, there were no chapter um, breaks in the original Bible. This continues on. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he says, I have heard you in a day accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succoured you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed we cannot afford to go out and offend people just because it's our personality, just because it's who we are. That's not good enough. I'm sorry, but that's not good enough. We are witnesses. We are ambassadors for Jesus. We should be showing the best of Jesus to everybody that we come across, to everybody that we meet. But in all things, approving ourselves as ministers of God in much patience. Are you a patient person? Or do you flare up at the the least thing that happens? In afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by longsuffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost. May everything we do be by the Holy Ghost, Church. May everything we do do by His Spirit in us, by love unfeigned. The world can tell a fake a mile away. Our love needs to be pure. Our love needs to be from a heart of love, of, of, of wanting to help, of, of, of actual caring about people. By the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report. doesn't matter how. They accept us or they don't. We are still ambassadors. As deceivers and yet true, people will say all sorts of things about us, not knowing the truth, not knowing what is right and what is wrong, but we are ambassadors for Christ. As unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. The Apostle Paul said that we are all ambassadors for Jesus, but that didn't mean that it was going to be a bed of roses. He went through a lot of junk by people of his own nation, his own background, his own kind, his own friends. In chapter 6 of Ephesians, Paul talks about putting on the whole armour of God as a good soldier. Immediately afterwards, the very next verses. He says in Ephesians 6 and 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul even got sent to prison having done nothing wrong. Was he bitter and twisted and blaming people and situations? No. He was determined to show Jesus to them in his actions, his attitudes, his reactions, and his speech in all situations. After all, Jesus had the same things done to him. He was proud to be an ambassador for Jesus. I can see the Apostle Paul every day getting up singing, I am blessed. I am blessed. Every day of my life, I am blessed. When I wake up in the morning, when I lay my head to rest, I am blessed. I am blessed. No matter what he went through, he was solid. He was strong. He was an ambassador for Christ. And because of this good attitude, this mindset, the Lord did incredible, powerful things through the Apostle Paul's ministry. You can read about account after account in the book of Acts in the Bible. And likewise, we must show Jesus to the world through us. Because how else is the world going to meet Jesus if it isn't through us? Jesus isn't walking around on the earth anymore. He can't go up and say, Oh, hello, Jesus. Nobody can call an office and make an appointment to talk to Jesus. No, Jesus has called us to be his ambassadors in the good times and the bad times, in the sunshine and the storms, in the darkness and in the light. That's both a huge and an awesome responsibility. We are the only Jesus that people will ever see. What kind of Jesus are we showing the world? What kind of Jesus is the world seeing in us? Are we giving a false Image. Are we giving a false impression of who Jesus was and is? When we go about our daily lives, we need to show the real Jesus to the world and have great expectations that God can and will use us for great things. Our expectations should be great because we serve a great God who does greater things than we could even ask or think. Let's stand this evening. Let's lift our hands. Lord Jesus, you are challenging us, Lord, to trust you more. You are challenging us to be sensitive to your spirit, to your voice, in, in ways that are unusual, in ways that are out of the ordinary, in ways that are weird, Lord Jesus. And Lord, may we be sensitive enough to you. May we know your voice well enough that we are able to respond, Jesus, to your voice, Lord, to your leading. Lord, you call us, Lord, to be witnesses. But more than that, you call us to be ambassadors for you, Jesus. May we show you to the world. May we always think about our actions and our reactions. May, Lord Jesus, we allow you to come through us, Lord, and, and show yourself through us, Lord. May we not be bad witnesses to you, Jesus. But may we allow you to do what you want to do in us with Jesus.